0: It's in red. Jesus said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Mark 9, 23-24 If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for them who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. Mark 10, 27 Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Mark 14.36, it's in red. Abba father he said everything is possible for you Luke 1827 Jesus replied what is impossible with men is possible with God Matthew 1720 Jesus replied because you have so little faith I'll tell you the truth if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible possible for you did you hear that yeah. nothing will be impossible for you so with all of that foundation of everything is possible for him who believes right
1: yeah. then you know we, we
0: say that and we think that but we really don't act on that, do we? If we did, we'd live our lives a whole lot differently, mine included. So it's a process of learning that uh, God is who he says he is, God will do what he says he will do, and God is certainly the author of our lives. And we need to come into line with his. Amen? I want to talk to you about the timing of the Lord. Can I just say that God is always on time. Just not my time. Now that one got quiet. Let me say that again. God is always on time. Just not my time. In the book of Job, you don't have to turn to any of this. I'm just gonna summarize some stories for you. In the book of Job, you read of him who was a faithful man. He was a godly man. There was none like him in the whole earth. And he was the richest man around. He had lots of cows. He had lots of sheep. Lots of everything. He had seven children. Life was good. How would you like to be the richest man and love God? It's a pretty good combination, isn't it? But then you find on down in the book where Job encountered some problems. First off, marauders from the, from the enemy lands, they came down, they swooped down, and they stole all of his cattle, all of his servants, everything he had was stolen. At the same time this servant was telling Job what had just happened, another servant ran in and said, Oh, Job, your children, all seven are dead. They would call it a tornado came in the building they were in, and they're all dead. That's pretty strikingly a trauma, wouldn't you say? And if that didn't do him in, here comes boils all over his skin. Would you think Job could have said, God, I was serving you. I was doing the best I knew how. And look where I'm at. Broke. No children. No hired hands. And I'm sick. You know what job's wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die? That was the wrong advice. Do you know sometimes your families will give you the wrong advice but job wouldn't because he knew his God he knew whom he had worshiped he would not curse his God. And so because of Job's faithfulness, the story ends in a good note. His land, his cattle, his sheep, his oxen were restored, not to the same number, but twice. His hired hands, all of that, not to the same number, but twice. And he had seven more children. Why didn't he have 14? He had seven more children, and it says in the word that they were far more beautiful than all in the land. He didn't have 14 because his other seven were still alive. They just weren't on planet Earth. You ever think about that? But Job was restored. But he could have said at the time, and you know, where it was so off and so bad, he could have given up. We as human beings, we want to give up when things are so adverse. We just want to chunk it in. We want to run away. We want to just dig a hole, crawl in it, and pull the cover over. Is that right? We want to run. But we, brothers and sisters, cannot afford to run. We must, if we're going to run, run to Him. If we're going to think any thoughts, think of the faithfulness of God. Think of how He is faithful. Think that He will never leave. He will never forsake you. The Father will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. We just have to remember it's about his time and not ours. God, I know that you have not forgotten me, but my flesh is impatient. Could we say like Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even in the midst of the trouble, even in the midst of the emotional upheaval, can we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now let's move on to Joseph. Joseph is found in Genesis uh, chapters 37 through 43. Joseph was the last of the kids. He was daddy's favorite. Daddy had him a coat made of many colors. His brothers, old enough to know better, were jealous of him. One night, Joseph had a dream. He dreamed that all these sheaves were bowing down to him. And so he told his brothers, they didn't take too kindly to that dream. And he had another one, same scenario. And he told that one, Joseph made a mistake. He opened his mouth. His brothers decided to get rid of him, threw him down a well, was going to leave him there and let him starve to death. And the older one had compassion a little bit, so he changed and went and drug him out of the well, but sold him to slave marketeers. Could Joseph have said... You know what, God? All I'm trying to do, I was just trying to tell them what you showed me through a dream. Have you ever had a revelation from the Lord and you shared it and you wound up being beat up emotionally? Maybe you got a call on your life to go into full-time ministry and you shared that and, and you were put down and made fun of. God, it's not my time. It's your time. And you know the end of the story. Because of Joseph's faithfulness, well, he was led off into the land, pagan land, and he was Potiphar's right-hand man because he was faithful, because he had integrity. He was put in charge. And here Potiphar's wife wants to, to have some fun with Joseph, and he declined. And she falsely accused him. Have you ever been falsely accused? But it's not my time, it's your time. I have been falsely accused many times. And I'll tell you, it is a hard thing to let God be my defense. I wanted to put it in the newspaper, full page. Didn't say it, didn't do it, didn't think it, and sign my name. But God said, you keep your mouth shut and I will be your defense. And he has done that. But you know what? I, I wanted it done right then. I wanted it done in my time. But I have learned that if we just trust Him, because He is faithful and He is worthy of all of our trust, He'll bring it to pass, what you've committed to Him in His time. You know, sometimes God is not real interested in getting us out of a dilemma. Until Jesus is formed in us. There was a story told about a fella. he he come upon a little cocoon and he saw a butterfly trying to get out. And the butterfly was just struggling for his life. And the guy thought he was going to help him. So he just took his fingernail and kind of flicked around so that the butterfly didn't have to struggle. The butterfly just kind of got out of the cocoon, flopped around, his little wings were were malformed, and he just laid there and died. That man thought he was doing something good, but what what the truth of the matter was, that needed to be very small. The butterfly needed to struggle, and he needed to press through so that the fluid from his body would be injected into his wings, and when he would come out of the cocoon, the wings would be fully formed, and he would be healthy. You see, sometimes we want to get out of our situation when it's not God's time. Amen? He wants Jesus formed in you. If we get out too soon, then we'll be anemically Christian. But if we will press through and know that God is faithful, know that he's heard our cry, know that in his appointed time he will do what needs to be done and let Jesus just be matured in you. And the rest of Joseph's story is because he was faithful, because he kept his integrity, because he turned down temptation. Joseph was put right under the Pharaoh and that's pretty cool considering he wasn't born into that ethnic group he was a slave brought in and he was put right under the Pharaoh and Joseph saved the entire nation he was in but also his own people group because he trusted God's timing. I'm sure sitting in the prison that Joseph sat in was not pleasant. It wasn't clean like this. It didn't have a cafeteria where you could go pick what you wanted to eat. I'm sure slop was thrown at him. I'm sure rats were running all over them. I'm sure the stench was stifling. But Joseph remained faithful he is a challenge to us today to remain faithful and trust God's timing. Amen? Amen. Joshua. Joshua at Jericho. You'll find this in the book of Joshua chapter 6 and 7. Joshua was a leader after Moses passed away. He became the next leader of the Israelites. And Joshua was told to go take the city of Jericho. But here's the deal. I mean Joshua is a trained warrior, right? and the guys with him were trained warriors. They knew how to fight. Have you ever watched the History Channel and watched that era? Those folks were vicious. They knew how to fight. They could take your head off in a slice. Joshua was told by God, I don't want you to go in there and overrun the city. I just want you to march around it every day. But not only that, I don't want anyone saying a word. Now, you've got to put yourself in these warrior's places. I mean, you read the story and you think, yeah, yeah, but you've got to, I mean, they were human. They had thought processes. I am sure they were thinking, say what? You want us to what? Walk around this, this city and not say anything? What's the matter with you? You see, it's all about God's timing. And it's all about being obedient to the instructions of the Holy Spirit. Amen so they did. They walked around it in silence the first day. They walked around it in silence the second day, the third day. I can imagine what some of those guys were thinking.
1: Those people are
0: going to think we're wimps. I mean, we're warriors. We're we're fighters. They're going to think we're wimps. We can't even shout at them to bully them down. We have to zip our lips. That's what was going through their head. I'm sure they were murmuring in their thought processes. But at least they were obedient. And on the last day, they marched around it seven times, and then Joshua said, Shout! And the walls came down. You know, they found those not too long ago. The archaeologist folks did. The Bible is true. They are finding more and more uh, proof through ar- archaeology of, of what the Bible states. I find it fascinating. But I don't have to have the archaeologic findings to shore my faith up because I have faith simply because God is. Amen? But because Joshua was faithful and counted on God's integrity, it was in God's timing that the battle would be won. And it certainly wasn't won the way they normally won a battle. Would you say that cost him some things? Certainly it did. He was a new leader. I'm sure they were questioning, do you really think he heard God or not? You know they were just people. Think about it. When you obey God, you will always risk. But I can tell you, when you obey God, you will always reap pure joy. You may be in a situation to where you don't want to be, but if you 're obedient to God, can I just tell you just hang on. God will do what he will do in his time frame. The next one is Gideon, and you find that in Judges chapter 6. This is a, I, I love this story. I love all of them. I love this one. Gideon. It says that a host of enemy was surrounding them, that the Midianites, the Amalekites, they were all just after one thing, to kill and to take the goods. And they would wait till the Israelites would plant food and they would come in and get the food, and off they would go. And it says Gideon was hiding and he was threshing wheat just to get a little bit to make bread. And an angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, and I love what the angel said. He said, Oh, Gideon, man of valor. Other translation says, Brave warrior. Was he brave? No, he was hiding. But here's what Gideon said. When the angel said, God has chosen you to lead your people into victory, he said, excuse. Excuse me, I am in the least of the least of the tribes here. I mean, out of all these 12 tribes, I'm in the bottom bottom of the barrel stuff here. And in my tribe, I am the bottom of the barrel. Did Gideon have a problem with self-esteem? Mm-hmm. Did he have a problem of kicking faith in gear? hmm But what did the angel said? Oh man, mighty in valor, brave warrior, what was happening? The Lord was speaking words, just like he created the earth and the universes, he was speaking things into existence. Isn't that interesting? And Gideon finally believed him. And he called, he blew the trumpet, and he called all the warriors, and he got thousands and thousands of Israelites to come. And God said, that's too many said, what do you mean that's too many? I mean, look, Lord, look out there. Look at the Amalekites. Look, we can't even number them. They look like just the sand of the seashore. They're that many. What do you mean this few thousand is too many? He said, it's too many. He said, send the ones that are afraid home. And, and not half, but nearly half of them went, about a third of them left. And God said, that's still too many. Lord, what are you talking about? I mean, you see, we are guilty of reasoning with our logic. That's just the way we're wired up. We reason with logic. But God said, that's too many. And Gideon was saying, well, what do I do now? So God told him how to sift them out some more. Guess how many they wound up with? 300. 300 against multitudes and multitudes of thousands upon thousands. Does that make any sense? No. No. None. But can I just tell you, it's all about God's timing. You see, Gideon was going to try to win the war in his own understanding. You'll never win in your own understanding. You will never get anywhere in the things of God with your own understanding. You must obey the word of the Lord. And you must know that he is faithful, and it's all about his timing. Amen. And so down to the 300. The story is the 300 beat them. What a deal. And, you know, when we read these stories, we don't put much thought into it. Well, they probably knew all that. No, they didn't. They were human like we are. And in your situation right now where you are, you can apply these principles that we're looking at, and you can say, God is faithful. He knows my situation. He knows the timing. And I'm going to place my trust in his timing. I'm going to look at God's clock and not mine. Amen. Thank you that way you get peace in your heart. When you have peace in your heart, you can approach the throne with all kinds of boldness and enjoy fellowship with your Creator. That's the reason you exist. Now, David, in First Samuel 16, David was a, a shepherd boy, young fellow. And he loved to go out and just sing and praise the Lord on his harp. And just from reading in the Psalms, I can tell you that David, had some encounters with the Creator. He had some eye-opening revelation from the Creator because he was constantly playing to the Father. But, one day he's out there minding his own business and someone comes and says, David, get over there to your house right now. The prophet Samuel is here. So David runs and he gets over there. His brothers are lined up and the prophet Samuel, you can imagine, in this fella, the long beard, and he's walking and he's looking at these boys. And he's, saying, Lord, this one looks really good. He looks like a warrior. Mm. God said, "Nope." Goes to the next one. Well, Lord, this one's pretty strong looking. He must be the next king. The Lord said, "Nope." and then it says in this particular area it says for God looks at the heart he doesn't look at the outward appearance he looks at the heart and he kept, kept on going and finally he gets to the youngest and the smallest and it's David and the Lord said he's the one anoint him as the next king of Israel you know when we say anoint we think you know get the little, little vial out and put a little dab and go and that's anointing well research Shows that they used a little bit over a gallon of oil. It was fragranced oil and the prophet reached and got the gallon and poured it over David and said, You are anointed to be the next king. A few years back, a friend of ours did the research on how much oil that the prophets used and found that out and and we got to talking and I said, I'll tell you what, brother, I'll buy the oil. And we'll just have us an anointing service. (laughs) So we got the word out and about 40 people came to my house. And it was first week in maybe of December. And it had been really warm and all of that. And the day of the anointing, a norther blew in. I'm talking a blue norther. It was cold, 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 cold. So here we are. We had communion in the house, and I got a wash tub and put it out on my patio, and the first one got anointed. I waited till last. Dale was next to last. When I got into the- I had kept my oil in the house, thinking it might be warm. When I got in the tub and they poured my gallon of oil over me, it took my breath. It was
1: so cold. (laughs) Oil
0: went everywhere even places I didn't know I owned
1: I got oiled
0: I didn't have to wonder if I had been anointed I knew I had been anointed now my hair was long back then after I uh, let me tell you this during all of the 40 people being anointed I noticed that some of them were just sitting they didn't want to leave they were just sitting there like this just shivering in the cold and I got this bright eye Idea. Oh, I'll go in the house and get some trash sacks, and I'll cut the thing out and slip it right over them. Well, you know, they were oil, so it just went right over them. <laughs> and so everybody had black trash bags on. Well, it kept the wind from making them cold, and they could stay and enjoy watching the others. But I didn't think about my neighbors. And I looked over, and there the Venetian blinds were like this. And <laughs> And I went, Oh my goodness! I bet that looks funny. I bet they—oh, th- I think I bet they think we're doing something bad. I said, "Lord, please don't let them call the police. Please don't let them call the police." And about the same time, we have a uh, upstairs apartment behind a uh, separate of our house, and we had it rented to this young girl, and she comes along in the sidewalk, and she's going. <laughs> she runs up the stairs and then the Venetian blinds go like this. I went, oh, I bet she thinks we're in the occult or something. I mean, it did look funny, but at least the people were warm. Well, okay, everybody's gone, and I'm looking at my hair. It's just gummed, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to get my hair back to normal? And I thought... I washed it in vinegar. Didn't do a thing. Washed it again in vinegar. Didn't do a thing. Washed it again in vinegar. And it went
1: like this.
0: And it stayed that way for about six weeks. I didn't have to guess if I was anointed. I knew I had been anointed. And when David was anointed king, he didn't have to wonder, did Samuel really anoint me? Oh, he knew. He knew he was anointed to be king. But the story unfolds and he finds himself a wanted, hunted man. The king, King Saul, was trying to kill him. And he was a hunted man. And he had to live in caves. And I bet you anything they didn't smell too good. I bet David was going, Lord, I don't smell like a king. I mean, I remember when Samuel anointed me, I smelled really good, but I really don't smell good now, Lord. I mean, are you sure I'm supposed to be king? And this went on for years. Had God said, you're the next king? Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't happen like that, did it? David had to go through. He had to press through. He had to keep his heart pure. You read in the whole story, David kept his heart pure. He could have gotten in all kinds of bitterness, unforgiveness, and hatred toward the one who was trying to kill him because he didn't do anything wrong. It was a jealous spirit trying to kill him. Have you ever been tried to be killed by a jealous spirit? That is a nasty thing. But David could have been in the cave going, where are you, God? All I was doing was singing and watching sheep. I was praising your holy name. And here I am in a stinking cave with a bunch of stinking men, and I don't feel like a king. Do you think he thought that? I bet you he did, read the Psalms. But it's all about God's timing. You see, it's our job to keep our heart pure, to keep our thought life pure, to keep our faith hooked in the faithfulness of God and his timing will be perfect. I don't want to birth an Ishmael like Abraham did. Do you? Abraham got ahead of God. God told him a promise. And Abraham got to questioning, how? He didn't listen to the Lord on instruction. He just assumed and did things on his own and got a Ishmael out of it. And we're still dealing with Ishmael today. Don't birth Ishmaels. Wait on God's timing. And then your descendants, should the Lord tarry, won't have to deal with your Ishmael. Amen. The next one is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were captives. They had been taken out of their homeland. They were put in a paganistic uh, atmosphere. And yet you read the story, which is in Daniel chapter 3. You read the story of how they were true to their God. They decided they're going to still live for God, even in a foreign land. They're not going to succumb to foreign paganism paganistic rituals. So here they are, the king issues a decree. I'm making this statue of me, and when you hear the music, you're to bow down. The music played, the statue was being drugged down the street, and these three did not bow. They were in a leadership position. Even though they were slaves, they were still in a leadership position because they were so intelligent. They had been, had God's favor, and they were over governments, but they would not bow. And so they were brought into the king. The king was furious, and he said, I told you, if you don't bow, you're going to die. So he told the guys, get the furnace hotter than it usually is. They got it so hot, it killed the ones that were throwing the fuel in there. They were thrown into the fire. Can you imagine right before they got thrown, they might be thinking, Ooh, I didn't know this is what we was gonna sign up for. I mean, I was just being faithful to God. God, I was being faithful to you. What's the deal here? I mean we're fixing to die. But I love what they said to the king. Love it, love it, love it. We can take it into our own lives. They said, O oh, King, be it known to you, we're not gonna bow down to your idol. Our God is able to deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. Amen. Can you get that tenaciousness about you? Be it known to you, devil, I'm not going to bow.
1: I'm
0: not going to bow to your ways. I'm not going to bow to your whims. I'm not going to bow, devil. I will not bow to the circumstances that's created around me. I'm not going to bow. My God is able to deliver me. But if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow. We must be that tenacious. We must have that kind of conviction. And then it's God's timing. It's His timing. In the furnace... They were not hurt. The ropes were burned off of them. Their skin was not. They didn't even smell like smoke when they were called out of the fire. Hallelujah. God can deliver. He's not short-handed. His arm is not too short. It is very able to get us out of our situations. But it's in His timing. When Paul and Silas in Acts 16, all they were doing was preaching the gospel they were healing the sick miracles were happening they get themselves thrown into prison because of it they were beaten, their backs were bloody they were hurting their body was in severe pain can you think what maybe they've been thinking Lord all we're doing was preaching the good news of Jesus and this is what we get you think they were thinking that Mm mm-hmm I do But they responded in this way. Paul got to singing. He got to singing to the Lord. Holy is the Lord. His name is holy. Silas was going over there. Man, Paul, what are you doing? I mean, I'm over here bleeding. My back's bleeding. Paul, look, 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 it's bleeding. See? He's going, Silas, sing. Holy is the Lord. His name is holy. Come on, Silas. Okay, Paul, okay. Holy is the Lord. His name is
1: holy. Oh, Jojo. You
0: see, when we're obedient to God, sometimes we're going to hurt Sometimes we're going to suffer If anyone ever preached the gospel, just come to Jesus And everything will be hunky-dory rosy They're not preaching the truth Because when you come to Jesus, the demons know you And they're going to try to steal the word out of your heart with tribulation. But I'm telling you, 36 years of walking with God, it's worth every stripe on the back. It's worth every wound in the soul.
1: Amen. They got to
0: singing and they got to worshiping in adverse circumstances. Holy is the Lord. His name is holy. All of a sudden, the Lord starts hearing this. Hey, listen to that. They got beat up for the sake of Jesus. His foot got to tapping, singing along with them. And all of a sudden, that tapping of the foot just caused an earthquake. And the jail was just flattened. But everyone was alive. And because of Paul and Silas' willingness to praise God in the hurtful times, in the hard times, in the bleeding times, people were born again. You know, people are watching you, and if they hear you singing, Holy is the Lord, and they know you're going through stuff, they may ridicule you, they may throw word rocks at you, they may word slash you, but I am telling you, you'll bleed Jesus.
1: Amen. And the truth of the matter is... When
0: they see that, when they see you're going to be faithful, they'll they'll come to you. They say, "I need what you have." I've had that to happen to me. If you'll just be faithful, if you'll just hang on and know it's not your timing, it's His timing. It's all about Him, and if you'll just go ahead where you're at, right here, and worship Him for who He is, not for the things He's going to do for you, but worship Him for who He is you can expect him to move on your behalf, but it'll be his time. Okay, well I've got to close it down, but you say, how do we do this? If you can't see the answer, just review his promises. Get into this and find your promises. Anchor your hope. I've talked through it all the way through. Anchor your hope, your all in his faithfulness. And number three, get Habakkuk 317 mentality, and it's this. Though the cherry tree don't blossom, though the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm eaten and the wheat fields are stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns are empty, I am singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to God my Savior, counting on God's rule to prevail, and I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer and I feel like I'm king of a mountain. That's Habakkuk 3, 17. I would suggest you find it and memorize it and let it get deep down in here and you can say, Lord, I don't understand. Things don't look good. I don't understand, but I am praising you anyway. I am worshiping you anyway. I am lifting your name on high anyway. And I know you are a faithful God. I'll tell you, you're not going to lose if you'll get that attitude and that tenaciousness in your spirit. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this day. Thank you for the wonderful worship that we've had. Thank you, Father, for your written word. Thank you that the Holy Spirit can come and just enlarge the written word and speak into our soul, speak into our spirit, and give us hope, give us strength, give us tenaciousness that, Father, we can honor you through our lives. We just bless you now, and we
1: thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Hallelujah.